Your Football Tailgate is sponsored by Bet Online. Bet Online is where the game starts. Every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello and welcome to Hoosier Football Tailgate here on the Believe Network. It's Thursday, November the 9th, and the Hoosiers are getting ready to take on the Fighting Illini this Saturday with a noon kickoff in Champaign and be and televised on the Big Ten Network. Just a uh, quick uh, two reminders here. Number one, if you could give us a, a subscribe on new on YouTube as well as hit the notification bell, that would greatly appreciate it, as well as Apple and Spotify. Give us a like, a rating, and a comment or two. That would be greatly appreciated as well. And thanks to Bet Online for their sponsorship of the Hoosier Football Tailgate. Remember, Bet Online is the with all the NFL, college football, college basketball, NBA. NHL, all these seasons going on right now. They're your number one source for all things sports wagering, odds, parlays, uh, news, stats, information at your fingertips that you can get right there on Believe or Bet Online. And so remember, Bet Online is where the game starts. Well, today we're going to talk a little bit about the fighting Illini and the coached by Brett Bielma, who has done a pretty good job. They're at four and five overall right now, coming off a huge win at Minnesota in the waning seconds. I'm going to talk a little bit about how they did it in an unorthodox fashion, I guess you could say. Uh, Minnesota just had trouble getting off the field on uh, key critical situations Saturday in Minneapolis. But, uh, you know, the biggest thing uh, that's uh, that is uh, impacting um, college football, but more importantly, the Big Ten is this Michigan situation up in Ann Arbor. Uh, The big uh, Michigan handed uh, the the Big Ten a 10 page um, report that they basically told the Big Ten to. (laughs) <laughs> go by the big one in some respects and even threaten legal action if there was anything the Big Ten did uh, to Jim Harbaugh or anything else in, involved with the football program there at Michigan. And uh, Jim Harbaugh's own individual attorney has threatened legal action. But a couple of things I wanted to I, I wanted to point out on all this and this uh, this tweet that uh, I saw by Dan Wetzel from Yahoo Sports, they talked about their margin of victory this season has gone, you know, from 34 to 38 points since this Connor Stallions individual was suspended and basically stating there's no uh, evidence that Stallions actions had any marginal effect on any Michigan games this season. And I get a little ticked off when reporters conflate a few things in this regard about what may have or have not impacted the game of college football. So I want to break down a few things as it pertains to Dan Wetzel. He also made a comment that if the Big Ten hands down punishment to 
uh, Michigan, they must also punish other programs that are allegedly also in the business of stealing signals. And again, conflating two different things. And I'll point out what I mean here in, in, in this uh, segment here. Number one, what Michigan has been alleged to do with pretty good evidence by this staffer, Connor Stallions, who was a paid employee at the University of Michigan, a part of the football program under Jim Harbaugh. So whether Jim Harbaugh uh, hired him or not, he is ultimately responsible for every member of his staff when it comes to the NCAA rules and the Big Ten sportsmanship uh, rule book as well. But Connor Stallions has done things in terms of going off campus and scouting other teams or paying individuals to scout other teams with electronic devices that are aimed at the opposing sideline to steal their signals on offense and defense, then utilizing them to sync up with video and then have a essentially him on the sideline on game day in the ear of the coaches telling them what is coming, supposedly. Now, one thing with this and from the standpoint of what they did, what Connor Stallions is alleged to have done under Jim Harbaugh whether directed or not is a violation of NCA rules because there's no off campus scouting permitted in the, in any of college football from division one to division three doesn't matter. You're not allowed to do it. It was done back in the early nine or late nineties as a cost containment measure. But the, 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 the rule has been in place for some time and I can't, you can't play dumb to the extent saying, well, I never knew that was actually a rule. If you're in doubt, ask your uh, NCAA rules liaison to look it up. But that's number one. Number two, what this Dan Wetzel was saying that other teams doing Rutgers and Ohio State were giving information to Purdue. Now they have denied that, but let's say they did. That is not an NCAA violation uh, for one. That's number one. Number two, that is done at times by multiple schools throughout the year by they talking to their buddies about this or that. That's perfectly fine. What's not kosher is you having somebody, an operative at an opposing stadium filming a game for the sole purpose of stealing signals. And that in itself right there, like I said, is an NCA violation. Now the NCA has their own thing to do and they're in the midst of that investigation. When they are done and they hand over a report to Michigan, they have 90 days to respond to it. Therefore, that is not going to be settled prior to the end of the football season and the college football playoffs. Set that aside. What's in front of this is what the Big Ten's going to do under their sportsmanship policy and Pettit, the, the Big Ten commissioner, has every uh, authority to make a decision on what he intends to do with this situation with Michigan. In my opinion, he needs to come down hard on Michigan for this. Now, some people say the kids should not be involved in this. Now, here's where I disagree with them. If I was in the Big Ten East and I was doing things the right way, 
And I had a member in a team in my side of the conference doing things like this. There's no way I would allow them to compete for a Big Ten championship. That in itself would not be kosher with me if I was a coach in the in the Big Ten East. Now, whether or not that happens, that's my opinion, and I probably am not alone in that opinion. And just suspending the head coach for these infractions, okay. But the the fact of the matter is, the, the bottom line is, you can't let them compete for a Big Ten championship when you know they had cheated and have been doing so since last year. So that's number one. And yes, Jim Harbaugh is ultimately responsible for every individual in his football program, whether he knows what is occurring or not occurring. There was reimbursements made for Connor Stallion's receipts that he either paid for hotel, gas, and things of that magnitude. And if somebody on their staff knew what Stallions was doing and didn't mention that to the head coach or to the coordinator or to somebody within the football program, they're as guilty. So the fact of the matter is, in this situation, it's irrelevant what another school may or have may have not done with this scenario when it comes to uh, whether or not um Big, you know, the Big Ten makes this uh, judgment as it pertains to a hardball or the Michigan Wolverines. Now, that being said, that's my opinion. I am not in this dog in this fight, but as a former college coach, if I was competing against Michigan and I had known that they had done what they would they had did, I would be pissed. I would be pissed to the extent that this is not sportsmanlike. It's not. It's unbecoming of an institution like the University of Michigan, because had they done this, this goes below the standard that they set for themselves. And therefore, the Big Ten should do what they believe is the right thing to do. And if that means banning them from the Big Ten championship, so be it. Now, as far as the college football playoffs goes, that's a different matter, and that needs to be held handled by the college football playoff committee. Ward Manuel, who is the AD at Michigan, is also on the college football co- committee. Now, if the Big Ten levies a a um, punishment for Michigan doing this, Ward Emanuel should recuse himself permanently from the college football playoff committee uh, because then all of a sudden that taints that process. But if Michigan gets in the college football playoff, that's a different matter for a different thing. This should just be dealing with the Big Ten. I've said my piece and so be it. That's the way it's going to be. And we're going to go ahead and go ahead and look at here um, some of, let's see, the statistical analysis of this game of Illinois. Um, you know, the defense has been pretty darn good for them in occasion. They have a pressure defense. We'll talk a little bit in a, a minute about this. But right now, you know, Illinois comes into this game four and five, two and four overall in the West. 
and they may not be out of the opportunity of of playing f- for a Big Ten championship because of who they got left on their schedule. And one of those teams is Iowa. When they beat Minnesota this week, it kind of throw, threw things into a tizzy as it pertains to the West. But they're four and five overall. Indiana comes in three and six. This is a big game for both programs as it maintains that uh, – Indiana needs to continue to win for bowl aspirations, as does Illinois. So there's a lot on the line. Now, when you look at statistical aspects of this ball game, pretty even on both sides of the coin. You got the Indiana offense only scoring 19 points. Their defense has given up almost 28 a game, 310 yards a game per average, 381. So you can see there now the turnover of the margin, the Hoosiers are leading in that category because uh, Illinois has uh, has been minus six on the year. They've, they've had, uh, and that uh, four interceptions there is wrong. They've actually had 10 interceptions on the year, but you can see pretty, pretty well, even across the board in that regard uh, with things. When you look at the, from the defensive perspective of Indiana to the Illinois perspective, again, pretty darn close. Indiana giving up 361, Illinois averaging 366. And you can see third and fourth downs here are all pretty, um, uh, you know, both are pretty even across the board when it comes to statistical analysis, black and white. Then when you look at some of the players involved in this ball game, this Caden uh, Fegan, the running back, he is uh, averaging about 52 yards a game. Luke Altemeyer, he's the transfer from Ole Miss. You know, he's thrown for, you know, averaging 65%. He averaging 209s a game. And then he's also very important in the run game, having uh, average about 31 yards a game. So in that respect, depending on what happens, he got hurt on the last drive on third down. And in came the transfer from Ball State, John Paddock, who led them on a drive to win the game. But so I don't know his status for Saturday, probably won't know until early Saturday on whether or not he will play. Isaiah Williams, number one, is their guy they target all the time. I mean, he is a predominant target for them, averaging 77 uh, yards a game. And then Bryant, another one, is the other target that they'll go after. But they want the ball in number one's hands. And then on defense, Rozak and Scott, uh, a linebacker and DB, are pretty pretty close in tackles for uh, total tackles per game right now, 54. Uh, Rozik has a four throw, uh, tackle for losses. And then Coleman, Coleman, Randolph, and Newton, all a part of the defensive line. Uh, these three guys are pretty darn good ball players with Coleman having four sacks, Newton have four and a half, and then uh, Randolph averaging four and a half, four tackles for losses on the year. Now we're going to go look at some video of the fighting Illini, if I can pull up the correct area. Okay, here we go. And hopefully this all works uh, like it's supposed to. But here we go with Illinois and um, 
uh, Minnesota from this week. Uh, offensively speaking, here's the one of the throws from Altamire into Altamire for their first touchdown to their tight end, getting on the board quickly there in 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 Minnesota. He actually had three touchdown passes Saturday prior to going out. Now here is the uniqueness of Illinois' defense here, and I'm going to show you what I mean. They run the bear four six, so I call it a double eagle. He's on the inside eye of the tackle, head up on the center, inside eye of tackle. Stand out up linebackers are on the outside uh, shoulders of the in man line of scrimmage. You have your corner, you have a safety, you have a mic backer, another safety or outside backer, I should say, or nickelback in a corner with a deep center field safety. So this is all pressure defense in that regard. Now, one thing you can do, uh, this is inside zone. Everything back. Uh, to their inside and running kind of like a what they almost call a duo play. But it's very difficult to run against. You got to have, in some respects, what you got to do is you have to uh, run the power game, quarterback powers, uh, (laughs) tailback powers and everything. So, again, here's a pressure defense. You got man across the board with the deep freeze safety. uh, Donovan and EJ have got to be uh, on their A game Saturday. They've got to be in position to make plays in a one on one situation. Now, what this does in terms of protection wise for these guys is you really want to go protection, but here they are and they get away with it because they're only rushing four people. And there's the big, nice throw, uh, one-on-one back shoulder throw for a big play. Now, here's what you really would do in some respects is you want to zone protect this where guys are basically uh, play action in their gap. They get good play action. They're going to run a crossing route here for their first touchdown. So they answered Minnesota or Illinois' score. So, Again, here in the first half, again, Illinois, not overly dramatic, but again, they're going to target Williams, number one. That's the guy they want with the football in his hand as much as humanly possible on Saturday, and they do a good job of getting it to him. So here's one there. They go five wide. Here's number one right here. He's one-on-one with this linebacker. That's a mismatch. The quarterback recognizes it, and there he goes with the football on, on a second down play, getting the first down. So they like to be in positions where they're going to get a mismatch with him or 13 uh, in situations. So here again, this is kind of a P, uh, uh, RPO type of play, but it's really interesting because he really in situations should have handed off. You got a high safety right there in the box and then your man down here, but he decides to pull the trigger. Good route by 13, good play action fake, gets a nice play. Uh, down down in the red zone. And there again, uh, you know, stealing came from route in the end zone. He's targeting one right there and he gets him. They have a miscommunication and blow their uh, assignment uh, in that regard. So you can see with them what they like to do. They like to pressure. They'll twist their front. This is a really good place. 
And I like this play. This is just an old speed action concept with man blocking. Essentially, you're going to block from this point back with your O lineman. You're going to option him. And this guy's got to make a block in the free safeties back there. The NIN online has got to take the quarterback. He pitches it. You're going to get a nice 12 yard gain out of this with not great downfield blocking. Love that play. Should Indiana should implement it and they have it in their offense, but I like it, especially in situations. Okay. Here's a power pass, the play action pass that he makes a good play on. I'm going to get to that last drive to really set up the situation as it, as it pertained. Now, how they got here, Illinois had a, couldn't, couldn't get to first down. That's number one. So they're on the field. This is the play that Altmeyer gets hurt on, on a third and 11. Uh, Minnesota just kind of spies him. And then the linebacker sees an avenue and he hits him and he hits him hard, actually fumbles the football. They get it back and advance it. So now it's fourth down. And 11, advantage defense. John Paddock, the transfer from Ball State, comes into the game, and he's going to make one hell of a throw here on fourth and 11. And how this guy is this wide open, I don't know. Uh, Illinois actually only rushes three. Same defensive front, and he hits number one right there in the seam. And now you can feel it all change in terms of momentum. Come back with another first down play. He kind of scrambles out, hits the guy in the target. That's 13. That's their second guy. They like to get the ball to big first down again uh, on this. Now you come back your first and 10, uh, no timeouts. They have no timeouts left. Okay. First down, there's 57 seconds left. They're going to throw a route where he's just basically going to go right down the middle of the field. Minnesota's in too high. They're kind of playing a Tampa two concept and this guy splits them and they don't, the safety's just ignore him. Like the linebacker was supposed to carry him here. There looks like there's some confusion, but Paddock looks off the safety, does a great job of buying some time, hits Williams in stride for a touchdown, and that's the ball game. I mean, that's essentially the ball game. John Paddock becomes the hero for the Illini, and, uh, you know, it's crazy to think that's how they won that ball game on Saturday um, against Illinois. Uh, um, Illinois won it, I should say, against Minnesota on a last-second touchdown throw by John Paddock, who came in and played three plays and made uh, the plays needed to win the ball game. Now, that says something about the kid's preparedness to do that, and I don't doubt it one bit. I mean, he was an impressive kid at Ball State, my alma mater, of course, and coached there for a number of years. But uh, to come in in the situation he did, fourth and 11 and throw a strike, about 15 yards down the field, man, oh, man. Uh, And then two plays later, he's got him in the end zone. That's crazy. Well, the biggest thing is, is like I was telling you, here's the, I wanted to show some of what, you know, they do and how they line up with some things. And here's one of them where they're all across the board here. And as I said, you know, this is how that looks to, uh, an offense. So there's a lot of bodies up there. 
right now, you know, within you're talking eight guys within three yards of the ball. So that makes it very difficult to run against uh, unless you run some power games and quarterback runs, which I think soresby has got to be one that's ready to do this on Saturday. Or if they have Dexter Williams ready to go with some type of package, that would even, you know, another thing that would be better. But if you take this guy and take him out here, this guy here is just going to run and go with him. Uh, so you're really not going to get it, you know, much out of it in that regard, just because if, like I said, if you take this guy, and move him out, this guy goes with him because that's his responsibility. Um in this in this concept of things that what they do as a defense so um it's a very interesting defense to employ especially all the time they've went to it against uh kansas had some success although kansas ended up beating them but it can cause problems up front in terms of what you want to do in terms of running the football. And what I mean by that is it's hard to zone read all this with all this junk in here. You really have got to, you've got to, you know, kind of block back, block down, block back, you know, make him take two. And this is just your standard power play uh, running there, which I think is a really good play against that defense. But we'll see what they have in store on Saturday for them. I want to go back to our uh, goals for this game and what I think it's going to take. Of course, Sorsby's got to continue to grow within himself and, you know, take it up a step again. Uh, but the Hoosiers need to rush for 125. They need to pass for 275 and I'd like to see him get it to that 28 point uh, margin. That's seven points more than Illinois given up. And the 17 points held holding them to is about four points less than they score. And then in the Russian pass game, you can see 110 yards to 250. So they're going to have their can- hands full. And then, of course, special teams, no crimes against the team. That's cats. Um, you know, no turnovers, no botched, you know, uh, punts or big returns. That's a necessary in this game. And if they can get something through special teams in a positive way, go for it. And then win the turnover margin uh, again on Saturday against Illinois, a team that will put the ball on the ground or have been known to put the ball on the ground, whether it be throwing it interception wise or fumbles there. So they've been very susceptible through the year to cough the ball up on a pretty good uh, standard uh, day uh, playing the foot game on, on Saturday. Again, I think the biggest thing for the YIU receivers, they're going to get tested one-on-one. This is like Carter Lucas, Donovan, uh, McCauley, and EJ Williams. All those guys have to be on point Saturday. They've got to get open against man-for-man coverage, and EJ and Donovan on the outside have got to go up and make plays on the outside. And then, of course, the offensive line will be tested Saturday against the Illini, so they're really going to have to uh, have an improvement, too, because of what they're going to face and the twisting and the turning that that Illini defense likes to do it's a very very good scheme 
If you've got the personnel, they believe they've got it so that you've got to go in there and find ways to move the football against it, against it on Saturday. And then defensively, what can you say? Causey's got to continue to play at the level he's playing. And then up front, they've got to dominate the line of scrimmage. And I do believe Indiana's defensive line is a little bit better than Illinois' offensive line. So that's a that's one thing that to watch on Saturday is the line of scrimmages on both sides of the ball. If IU can really control the line of scrimmage on both sides, they'll have a great shot of winning the game on Saturday. Well, I thank you for joining me here this evening on Hoosier Football Tailgate. Remember, Bet Online for their sponsorship of the Hoosier Football Tailgate. Remember, your first deposit, if you use the promo code BLEAV, you'll get 50% more on that first deposit, as, as they were uh, also will have all your information from statistics to parlay information to news, all of that on any of the sports games that are going on be it basketball, football, NHL, hockey, they have it all. Bet online is where the game starts. And again, thank you for uh, sponsoring uh, the Hoosier football tailgate. Remember, if you can get over to YouTube and subscribe, I greatly appreciate that as well as Apple and Spotify. If you could go over and give us a like and a comment or slash rating again, greatly appreciate that as well. Remember kickoff is noon Saturday in Champaign all on the big 10 network. I am the coach, Shannon Griffith. Thank you for watching the Hoosier football tailgate right here on the Believe Network. We'll see you on Monday with an Illini recap. Good night, everybody.